0: Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Sarah Wirth, the author of The Coaching Effect, joins us on this episode of Talking Business Now. Sarah and her co author, Bill Ekstrom, use evidence based findings and plenty of examples to make their case that the missing piece in leadership today is the coaching factor. They've studied more than 100,000 coaching interactions, and they've found that coaching rather than managing is the key to driving extraordinary results. They've also pinpointed what high-growth coaches do that sets them apart. Sarah joins us today to discuss a four-point model that gets managers to drive results. I asked Sarah about a key component of the model that she and Bill present in their book. That component is called creating discomfort. And here's what she has to
1: say about it. That's where growth occurs. You know, when you think about the experiences that you may have had in your professional or personal life, I can pretty much tell you by asking that question to tons of people, they always say it's during a time of discomfort. We'll hear more from
0: Sarah Wirth, the co-author of The Coaching Effect, right after this message from our sponsor, Interobang Solutions. Would you like to position your company as an industry thought leader, increase engagement, and build credibility with prospects and clients? establish your influence as a trusted resource. Interrobang Solutions offers full-service writing and publishing solutions that deliver your company's messages with a bang. You can count on us to provide turnkey solutions that support your existing marketing and communication staff or act as your full-service outsource partner. Interobang Solutions, providing custom writing, editing, and publishing solutions. Visit www.interobanksolutions.com. We're talking business now with Sarah Worth, the Vice President of Client Services at Excel Institute. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Sarah talks with us about the new book she's co-authored with Bill Ekstrom called "The Coaching Effect." Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Kelly. Glad to be here. Let's talk about some of the concepts in your book today. And a lot of that centers on managers versus coaches. Uh, Tell us why you think managers are one of the biggest drags on performance today in the workplace.
1: Absolutely. You know, when we think about managers and management in general, we think about managing processes and making sure that work gets done, standing behind people with that clipboard, Uh, to make sure that they're executing when we study what great coaches do they're really more about inspiration and motivation and trying to figure out what drives each person to their best level of success planning intentional experiences to help them grow and develop and that's what really brings out motivation to perform so rather than just managing to make sure that the work is executed it's more about bringing out the best in each person and helping them raise their level of performance. Yeah. And that's
0: an excellent point that you say, bring out the motivation because you hear all the time about motivating people, but in effect, people can only motivate themselves. And so that's what coaching, uh, if I'm listening to you correctly, that's what coaching is all about, helping people bring that out in themselves.
1: Absolutely. And that's what the best coaches do. They develop relationships with their team members so that they know what makes them tick. Uh, they do a good job of establishing expectations so they do know what they're supposed to be executing on uh, but they also challenge them we use the concept here in excel institute called complexity and that's really getting somebody outside their comfort zone and asking them to grow and develop new skills so the best coaches put their team members into complexity so that they're challenged to constantly improve. Sure.
0: And, and you call that putting them in a, a state of discomfort. It's, it's about boundary stretching.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where growth occurs. You know, when you think about the experiences that you may have had in your professional or personal life, I can pretty much tell you by asking that question to tons of people, they always say it's during a time of discomfort. Uh, maybe they're taking on a new job. And so they had to learn new skills or entering a different industry. Or maybe they just have a big goal that they have to hit that year, so they've got to figure out different ways of doing things. That's why discomfort is really necessary for people to grow and develop.
0: We see a
1: lot about
0: coaching about coaches. There are a lot of coaches uh, across the country, in fact. I've interviewed a number of coaches. What would you say uh, about coaching? Is it all created equal? Are there uh, some differentiators between high-growth coaches versus some of the coaches? What, what, what is that? Explain the difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we noticed that the best coaches coach differently, for sure. They're doing a lot of the similar activities, things like one-to-one meetings, team meetings, giving feedback. But probably the biggest differentiator is that they're doing that more consistently. So they're making sure that one-to-one meetings with their team members, in order to learn about their needs and what they're working on, they make sure that those are a priority in their day. Uh, So they're coaching more consistently, but they're also coaching differently in a one-to-one. So, for example, rather than just going through an agenda and making sure that person's executing everything that they were supposed to get done last week, they're spending time getting to know the person, what their goals are, what their challenges are, um, what are ways in which they want to be learning and growing and developing. So they're also doing those coaching activities in a different way.
0: In fact, you have a four-step roadmap for your model of coaching. And the first one is those one-on-one meetings that you just mentioned. And uh, one of the things that you say said is that you have to find out more about the person themselves, get to know that person. So how often should a coach meet one-on-one with their people in order to accomplish yeah, the it, things you mentioned?
1: Absolutely. We've actually studied the frequency, the best frequency for one-to-ones. And the best coaches are doing them either weekly or every other week. So you don't necessarily have to do them more often than every two weeks as long as you're doing an effective agenda that really helps you connect with that individual. But as far as frequency, if you drop down for more than that and you're only doing a monthly or once a quarter, you're not spending enough time with that person to really understand what motivates them what their challenges are and how you can support them.
0: Sure. And it goes to the consistency that you mentioned as well. When you can do it every week or every other week, you do establish that consistency. Whereas monthly, quarterly, you know, less frequently, then a lot of times people forget even something, an issue that may have come up that they wanted to talk about.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And on top of that, you just aren't connected enough Mm -hmm. with them. Uh, our lives change a lot. And so what I was focused on a month ago, personally or professionally, can look very different than than it does now. So you just, you have to stay in that regular contact with them. Very true. And then, as I said, this is a four-step model.
0: And your second step is you move from one, to one meetings, to team meetings. And you know, that some, some employees might hear that and say "Oh, more meetings, every meeting that I <laughs> attend, it seems like it's a waste of my time. So talk to us about the benefits of a team meeting done right.
1: Yeah, as we were surveying team members, one of the things we saw really clearly about team meetings is that people felt they were way too one directional. So it's my manager up at the front of the room, or on that phone, leading us through an agenda that includes, you know, company updates, information we need to know, but a lot of stuff that, frankly, we probably could have communicated out via email and really gotten it out in that one-directional way. What they wanted more from their team meetings was more interaction and more learning and more engagement, and especially learning from each other. Um, People tend to like learning from their peers because they look at their peer group and they feel like, these people understand my challenges, they understand what I'm going through. And so I want to hear what's helping them be successful.
0: And then that leads to step three, which is performance feedback. Again, sometimes this performance feedback, uh, part of it gets a bad rap in the workplace, because it only happens when someone's doing something wrong. So you know, it's very difficult to deliver negative feedback. What's your advice on just performance feedback in general, especially though when it's negative or challenging?
1: Yeah. So first of all, with performance feedback in general, you want to make sure that you are consistent with it. To your point, if we're only giving feedback when it's bad and somebody's messed something up, they create a really negative connotation around feedback. Feedback's a bad thing. Uh, If you're giving it consistently, what you get instead is that people see it as a way to learn and grow and develop they know they did something great, they're going to get feedback on how they can keep doing that and repeating that. If they need a correction and did something poorly, they're going to get feedback on what they can do differently next time. So they start to see it as a learning experience as opposed to something that is a punishment for when you did something wrong. So I think consistency is number one.
0: Yes, you know, there's a a a chapter in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, that I absolutely love. It's called, he talks about autopsies without blame. And as you talked about, feedback delivered the way that you advise, it, it's very much like that model where you should be able to be very open. You should be able to bring things forward that you know you didn't do well or that you messed up on without fear of just, you know, somebody really clamping down on you so that so that it right. can become very constructive and can become a learning experience for for uh, the future.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And when you do feedback effectively, if you treat it as to to Jim's calling point as an autopsy, here's what happened. Here's what were the effects of that. Uh, Here's what we'd like to have done differently. Mm -hmm. And here's how we can move that forward next time. It it feels, again, like a learning experience. It doesn't feel like I'm getting blamed or I'm in trouble for something. I'm just trying to figure out how to get better.
0: Right. One of the things that you talk about in your book, The Coaching Effect, is that uh, a secret to providing effective feedback is not necessarily direct statements, but actually asking
1: questions. How does that work? Yeah. So questions are great to bring into the feedback conversation and and really any coaching conversation because they create a dialogue. So rather than me telling you, here's what you did, here's why you did it, here's what you need to do differently. I'm asking you questions to engage you, to make you part of the process, to make you part of the process of figuring out what could have gone better and what can go differently next time. Uh, When people self-diagnose and they're able to say, yes, I I wish I would have asked this question here. I wish I would have made this statement or handled this customer issue differently. They're really owning that they want to grow and that they want to improve. And so if you can ask them questions to help them figure that out they're just much more likely to take ownership over
0: what they need to do differently. And that that leads us right into the final step of your coaching model, Sarah, and that is career development. Why do you include that
1: as part of your model? One of the things that we saw when we started studying effective coaches is that they are much more likely to have career development conversations with their team members. Uh, Part of the reason for that and why they seem to emphasize it is that career development creates motivation to perform, not only in relation to your long-term growth, but in relation to your current job. So people that feel like they're going somewhere, that they're making some sort of progress, that they're working towards a goal, tend to be more motivated in their current day-to-day work as well as towards their future.
0: So give us some examples. What kind of discussions would you expect to hear in this step of
1: your model? Rather than asking some really typical questions, like, for example, where do you see yourself in five years? We find that it's more helpful to have an exploration around what that person's interests are. So for example, what most motivates them in their current role? What do they love spending their day doing? Because then you start to figure out, what about their job really inspires them and really gets them excited? Um, asking them about unexplored talents, things that they do well that we're not tapping into right now, that we're not taking advantage of right now so that we can start to plan some intentional learning experiences or growth opportunities around those areas.
0: When you are in the midst of, of coaching a team, coaching an individual, and, and maybe you're kind of new at this yourself – and and maybe you need a coach, Uh, how can people know if they're being an effective coach?
1: We find that the best way to figure out if you're an effective coach is ask the people that you're coaching. Uh, You know, if you're trying to understand whether or not you're providing good service to your customers, if you're a company, you ask them. You find out uh, what they think about your products and what you're providing. Same thing if you're coaching people, is to ask your people, how am I doing What am I doing well? What could I be doing differently? What helps you perform? What do you need from me? So getting that feedback from your people really can help inspire your learning as a coach. Tell us about your book. How
0: is it set up? Um, How can it be used?
1: Yeah. So with our book, we really try to give a a coach, a leader, all the tools that they need to perform more effectively. So it starts off with a lot of the concepts behind what drives successful coaching building relationships, establishing order and accountability, the importance of putting people in complexity. So that's really the first portion of the book is getting those ideas and those concepts and those coaching behaviors out. And then the second half of the book is really more focused on the practical application. So taking you through things like one-to-one meetings, team meetings, career discussions, uh, giving you an agenda for those and helping you figure out how you can implement those most effectively.
0: And then on your website, you have some tools as well?
1: Yeah, we do. So at our website, www.excelinstitute.com, we have all sorts of tools. We have videos. We have uh, best practice papers. We have even formats and structures for how you can do these coaching activities most effectively. Uh, We have very much of an abundance mentality when it goes to sharing information. And so we like to really give out a lot of those ideas so that people can keep using it and learning to be better coaches.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite a wealth of, of tools and, and information, that's for sure. And by the way, Excel is E-C-S-E-L-L, correct? Yes, when thank
1: you. That's yeah. right. That's correct. It can. You can go to our website and find it. You can also find it in stores at Barnes & Noble or at Amazon.com.
0: All right. Let's talk about what a person can do if they're in a company, and perhaps they're in a, in a bad culture situation, perhaps uh, upper management, uh, the top leadership, doesn't necessarily support a model like you just described, that uh, it, it's, it's very old school, for lack of a better word, uh, in, in its approach to employee management, employee motivation and training. What would you tell executives and managers in those situations about how they can still individually make a difference and still please their superiors, but also make a difference in the way that
1: you described with the people that they're in charge of. Yeah, we've actually studied some coaches like that, that maybe aren't in a culture that's really supporting coaching, but that's how they like to coach. And that's what they have found to be effective. And what we see is that they institute these coaching best practices that we talk about in The Coaching Effect. So they do their one-to-ones at a regular frequency using a little bit of a different agenda. They do those team meetings that are more interactive and more about learning as opposed to just one-way message communication. They do those best practices like our best coaches, and they get better results. So ultimately, what ends up happening a lot of times is the rest of the organization will end up coming to them and saying, what are you doing differently? Mm. What are you creating that's different from our other managers? Because they're getting better results. Yeah, no doubt. We're
0: talking business now. Talk to us about what managers, coaches should be talking to their people about in 2019. What's a pressing issue that you think uh, should be out there and discussed?
1: Yeah, in in terms of of where coaching is really going and, and frankly, where business is going in general in 2019, it's how to engage the people around you more in decision-making, more in ideas, more in learning and growth and development. So we see that trend uh, throughout all of our client organizations that we study. Uh, They're moving away from just a top-down management model. And they're doing that not only with the people that they're leading internally, But they're doing that with their customers. Good They're not going to their customers with solutions. They're going to them with, let's partner together and figure out the challenge and, and work together to find the right direction.
0: Good luck with your new book, The Coaching Effect. As Sarah said, you can go out on Amazon and get that. Thank you so much for your advice today. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. We appreciate the support of our sponsor, Interobank Solutions, providing writing, editing, and publishing services. Visit their website at interobanksolutions.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Please be sure to join us for the next episode of Talking Business Now.